0: Welcome to the View from Apollo, a podcast where we discuss current macroeconomic trends and break down how they'll impact our investors. I'm your host, Torsten Slock. I'm chief economist here at Apollo Global Management. Each episode, I'll be joined by leaders from across our business who will share their unique perspective on the market factors that are shaping sectors and investment strategies. You can catch new episodes by subscribing to the View from Apollo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or by visiting our homepage, apollo.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hi everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of The View from Apollo. My name is Torsten Slock, and I'm the Chief Economist here. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Matt Michelini. He's a senior partner here at Apollo, and he heads up our Asia-Pacific business, and is co-head of Hybrid Value. Welcome, Matt. Now that you might be asking yourself, what is Apollo doing in the insurance business? And the answer to that is simpler than you think. We're doing what we always do, finding untapped opportunities in legacy industries where we think we can bring a competitive advantage. Not only that, but you'll also hear over the course of this conversation, how insurance and our traditional investment origination capabilities are like birds of a feather. So let's get flying, shall we? Matt, why don't you kick us off? We've been talking to our other guests about how short and long-term rates are affecting the outlook in various businesses. How do rates affect our insurance operations? Thanks, Torsten. Uh, Glad to be on your your podcast today. Looking
1: forward to it uh, being on Spotify one day. Um, But in all seriousness, the the short answer to the question, because I know we'll probably dive into this a little later as well, is... The in our insurance business, at least in the risk that Apollo takes or that Athene takes, we're actually matched on interest rate exposure. And so you don't see a direct impact from rates going up or rates going down because the business that we do is actually quite a simple business. We issue a guarantee to a policyholder. We know exactly what that guarantee is and the exact cost of it, and it's priced at a spread to the interest rates prevailing in the market when we issue it, but we only price that liability knowing that we have assets at the same time that we can match against that liability. And so all we've done is we've locked in a spread, an investment spread against the cost of funds. And so interest rates can go up, interest rates can go down. It doesn't really matter because our goal is to actually hold that asset until the maturity of the asset and the maturity of the liability. So when you, when you match, they call it asset liability matching, when you are matched, interest rates really shouldn't affect your existing business. Now, it very well may affect your go forward, which we'll get into in a few minutes, but it really shouldn't impact the uh, existing business.
0: So that means at any given point in time, assets and liabilities are always matched? If we're doing our
1: job correct, uh, we should be matched on the interest rate uh, risk. Uh, and the only real risk that you're taking is the realization of spread on the credit
0: assets you've invested in. That sounds straightforward. So when, when I think about insurance and, and the many aspects of insurance uh, as a business, I mean, sometimes uh, it can get quite complicated. So in, in very plain English, I mean, what kind of risks are investors really exposed to when they invest in the insurance space? This is a great question um,
1: because insurance is complicated or, or can be complicated. And there's lots of different uh, facets uh, and subsectors of the insurance landscape. We focus on a very narrow need, although a very big market in insurance. And what we say is that we at Athene and we at Apollo focus on life insurance. But many of you probably think of life insurance as the traditional policies that all of us hold, which is to protect you and your family in case you die too young. Athene, Apollo provide the opposite. Which is, we want to make sure that you don't outlive your income. So, protection against living too long and not having assets to continue to live. And so, all we're focused on is providing that guaranteed stream of payments. And so, when you think about what the business model is, it goes back to the introductory remarks, which is if you're a policyholder and you want to save for retirement, you're going to give me, the insurance company, $100. And I'm going to promise you against that $100 know, 2% or 3% a year over a long period of time. And and so when I take on that $100 and I give you a 2% guarantee, that's because I know I can invest that $100 into high investment grade, mostly senior secured assets that earn 4%. So I've locked in anywhere between 100 and 200 basis points of call it gross margin, the difference between what I earn on the assets and what I've promised to pay out to you, the policyholder. And then from there, you deduct corporate policyholder uh, administration expenses, corporate overhead, taxes, and so on and so forth. And that ultimately translates into a profitability model. Now, the way to think about the insurance business, because the liability that I've promised to you, the policyholder, is pretty plain vanilla. And in fact, we structure it so that you're really not incented to take your money out until the maturity of the policy or until a fixed term of the policy. So you know that money is going to be pretty sticky. And so as a result, on the asset side, when we have to go, when Apollo goes and invests the assets, we can invest in really safe, longer you have know, five to ten year duration assets and we can earn a premium as a result of the illiquidity of those assets and so you're mostly taking senior secured investment grade risk as an equity holder in the insurance company for every hundred dollars you as a policyholder give me the insurance company i'm putting about ten dollars of equity capital beneath that obligation just for tail risks And so that's how the insurance business model works the ultimate risk you are taking is not mark-to-market risk you're not taking interest rate risks you're taking credit risk on high quality investment grade assets it just in the insurance form you're levering it because you're naturally levered a hundred dollars of liabilities to ten dollars of equity
0: so there are of course plenty of other insurance companies out there what is it that makes uh, insurance particularly attractive for us at Apollo? And in what sense are we better at this, given that there's already a market at the moment?
1: Yeah, um, look, one of, the, one of the things about insurance, and this has been the case for the last 10 years across uh, the US, across Europe, and, and you're just now starting to see it in Asia, is you have really big generational changes And macro factors, demographic factors, and that is impacting how insurance companies are offering this guaranteed yield. So take a couple of the things that Mark has said, you know, even as most recently as our uh, Investor Day. There is a dearth of long-term savings products globally. You have aging demographics. You have collapsing interest rates. It is very difficult to earn spread in the liquid markets. And both the U.S. and Europe are in the midst of significant regulatory change on the insurance side that's causing capital flows to the tunes of trillions of dollars to come out of the insurance sector. Generally, as a contrarian investor, which Apollo, that is really what Apollo's DNA has been for for several decades, that that is exactly when we wanted to try and define a business model such that we can deploy significant capital and actually solve the problem that the insurance industry faces today. So what is that, what is that mousetrap? What is that that, that model that we're able to apply? You know, it, it's it's actually quite a simple model. We keep a very, very focused business. Our goal is not growth, our goal is profitability in insurance. And so all we're doing is we're offering a fixed spread to policyholders. That's all we need is a fixed credit spread. So all we need to do is make sure that our credit underwriting is solid. And that's what Apollo is. Apollo globally is the 800 pound gorilla in alternative credit. Mark has recently called it the being in the fixed income replacement business. You can't find spread in the liquid markets. You can't find spread in an IBM bond, but you can find for an equivalent amount of risk, a significantly higher spread in an originated asset, an aircraft lease or a consumer loan. And so, when you map the way our credit business has evolved and where it's going, we are tailor made to manufacture high investment grade, senior secured risk at premium spreads. And therefore, that allows us to be really good in the insurance business. The other thing that I would mention is we've also got a, an entire ecosystem here at Apollo of insurance um, interests. Yes. Athene is very tailored, is very narrowly focused on spread risk, but we have investments in variable annuities, investments in property and casualty. We have investments in the U.S. We have investments in Europe and now most recently Asia. That ecosystem of of insurance knowledge and talent, you know, just makes us all that much better in terms of anticipating the trends and the solution is trends in the insurance industry and, and the solutions that insurance companies need that Apollo can provide given its credit business.
0: So a different way to say that is that uh, the traditional insurance company would, in very, very simple words, would be investing in just say a passive IG index, whereas we at Apollo would instead be doing our homework and looking at individual opportunities and therefore finding more value and in particular applying our skills at the complex situations and basically generate higher returns than if you just put your money in a passive index. Is that a fair description?
1: A much more succinct way of what I just said. Exactly right. Um, and and I, would, I would add on to that. You know, that model used to work. You know, 15, 20 years ago, the model of investing in liquid investment grade corporates worked. And, but as spreads have come down in the liquid markets, many insurance companies, you know, if you're an insurance company with less than, you call it 150 to $200 billion of assets, you don't really have the scale to do much in the credit world, and so as spreads have come down on the liquid CUSIPs, insurance companies have been faced with the challenge: how do we earn? How do we earn yield? And so they've either shed their businesses, in which case, and that's that's been how uh, Athene has grown, how Athora has grown, how we hope to grow in Asia, or the alternative, and more risky alternative for the industry, is if you can't make money on your core fixed income book. You start to take more risk in your alternatives book. You start to do more, you know, private equity or venture capital or hedge funds or public market investing. And because you can't make any spread on your core fixed income book. And that, that's you know that that's not good for the life insurance industry, which is a levered business model. And as Marcus said repeatedly, not a good place
0: to take credit risk, let alone equity risk, in your asset book. That made complete sense. So with that Backdrop, let's now transition a bit into talk a bit more about rates and what's going on in rates markets and the importance of uh, not only long rates, but also short rates. Uh, As you and I talk about frequently, I mean, Fed, QE, and asset purchases, and as you just said, has been, of course, incredibly helpful in keeping rates low. It has also been very helpful in tightening spreads in IG, in high yield on loans, on everything in credit. And it has probably also played a very important role in boosting stock prices and lifting the S&P 500 to the high levels that we're at at the moment. So with that backdrop, uh, if there is a risk from a macroeconomic perspective that inflation could be higher for a while, if there is a risk maybe that short rates could move up a little bit faster than what the market is anticipating at the moment because the Fed would be worried about inflation going up, I mean, how do you think about this in terms of... The long-term guaranteed yield business. If rates do move up, how would that impact what you're doing from a business perspective?
1: Yeah, look, it's a really good question, and it's a topic of debate that we've been having at Athena Apollo for for no fewer than ten years. Um, you know, so so I will represent one one point of view, um, understanding that there are many points of view by really smart people across Apollo who know insurance. In general, we are trying to immunize most of our rate exposure in our spread insurance business. It, sh- it should be a simple model of spread generation. Now, that's on paper. And so obviously there's going to be some residual uh, interest rate risk. And so I personally am a little less worried about short-term interest rates. You know, They can go up, they can go down. It doesn't really impact our business. Uh, and if you split our business into back book versus front book, Short-term rate movements definitely don't impact our back book, and they might have a little bit of impact on volumes um, for our new business, but not in any material way, because people tend to transact uh, both retail, uh, both our our retail policyholders, as well as our institutional counterparties. When we do reinsurance or M&A, they tend to respond a little bit more to longer-term rates. Like their behavior is calibrated based on you know, what they can earn over a long period of time, because these are long guarantees that they've made. And so their mentality is always rooted in what does the long-term rates look like? And, you know, if rates go up, that tends to be a positive for our business, because rates going up uh, means that any legacy reinvestment risk you may have in your book, it has now been defeased. It also means on the front book, it, it happens to be the case in the industry that asset yields move real time with rates. But the, the guarantee you need to offer to policyholders, remember that $100 you gave me, doesn't move as fast as asset yields move up. And so you're actually able to capture pretty significant margin along the way up. And then rates will be whatever they'll be, and then we'll be issuing liabilities where we're immunizing the rate risk, uh, you know, for any given policy that that we're writing or reinsuring. On the way down for new business, you're going to say, well, on the right way down, don't you have the same, the issue in, in reverse? And the answer is, yes, you do. But that's where you have to be, that's where you start to change policy design, where most of the policies we issue. So remember, you gave me that hundred dollars. I promised you two percent. Well, I actually have flexibility in the policy to take that two percent down if interest rates go down. And so I have flexibility in the policy to make sure that I am matching interest rate risks or the interest rate risk along the way down. And I will say, as rates come down, that's when that's when uh, corporates, big companies, uh, big insurance companies or even big industrial companies want to shed their interest rate sensitive liabilities, which is exactly what we manage. And so ultimately I think interest rates going down is good for business because it means that there's more pain in the pension system. It's there's more pain in the insurance, uh, insurance industry,
0: and we have a solution for it. And I know of course on that, that, the, the economics profession, which I'm part of, uh, has been predicting, including myself, interest rates going up for now, uh, 10, 12 years. And of course, it hasn't quite happened yet. And then we're debating whether interest rates will ever go up or whether we are in a permanent low rate environment. And that's, of course, very important also from a business perspective for what you're saying. So from an Apollo perspective, just to unpack a little bit more, what is it that Apollo does that even the big insurance companies aren't doing on the asset side to generate yield? Can you give some examples of uh, how is it that you are able to generate higher spread than what I could get just by passively investing in the IG index in the market?
1: Yeah. So I would split the insurance world, at least the life insurance world, geographically first. And then but let's focus on the US and a little bit of Europe uh, just because that's where I'm sitting today. And then I would further split the life insurance industry into those companies with more than call it 200 billion of assets and those companies with less than 200 billion of assets. Below 200 billion, it doesn't really make sense to insource your asset management. You're mostly doing it with an outsourced you know, CIO model. You're using sub advisors to manage your entire portfolio. Time and time again, we come across companies in that, of that scale that have you know, 10 people in their investment department, which, by the way, in comparison to the insurance side of the balance sheet, has 1,000. But you have 10 people in your investment department managing outsourced sub advisors. And the problem with that is you're not that meaningful to any one of those given sub-advisors. They're putting you into large products that they can manage because they're focused on scale. Like their benefits are of scale, not one of customization. The other point is, so then, you know, you have a big asset manager who benefits only from scale, doesn't really customize your portfolio. And then you say, well, I want something a little bit more yieldy without taking more risk. The problem though with your 10 person investment staff You know, you don't have the in-house capabilities to want to invest in that risk. And there's also no alignment with the underlying asset manager who's putting you in that risk. And so then all of a sudden fees become really important. And you tend to not want to pay the fees for something you don't understand where your manager is not aligned. And that's the broken part of the life insurance model kind of sub $200 and why Athene and even Athora in, in Europe has been so successful. Because we started day one having a major equity stake in Athene. So we, are, we were aligned. We were eating our own cooking. Athene is one of the largest clients across our credit business. We have developed products, hired portfolio managers, bought businesses solely because Athene had demand for it. So you know, we really have customized the offering to Athene and now that we've scaled those asset management capabilities that we're offering to athene i think the next step is going to be offering that customization to other clients uh, both our lp clients as well as potentially other insurance companies if you then look at the greater than 200 billion those insurance companies are actually trying to do what we do <laughs> you, you know you you want to work at as Mark has called Apollo, what he's creating is the best place to work in financial services. You you wanna join an ecosystem, you wanna join an investment culture, you wanna be um, around the the industry leading investment talent, and you wanna be uh, at the cutting edge of the industry. And so that's why we've been successful building our credit business and also our opportunistic business with really top talent. Um, You know, in part because you have Athene as an anchor, but also because we've created a culture and ecosystem where it is a great
0: place to work in financial services. And as you highlighted, those trends and business uh, opportunities that you just mentioned are, of course, uh, very pronounced in the U.S. and Europe. uh, But you have recently been promoted to head of the Asia-Pacific business. And congratulations. uh, That's just awesome. How have we been doing in Asia uh, more recently? And what is the rationale between the Asian insurance investments that you have made? Are they following the same trends that we're seeing in the U.S. and Europe that you just described?
1: Yeah. Um, so we have been active recently in, in Asia, and it's on account of a, a, a big team here uh, at Apollo. And by the way, everything that we've done in insurance has, has required a significant portion of our organization and Athene's organization. In Asia, that's no different. So we recently made an investment in Challenger, which is a savings-oriented insurance company in Australia. We have a deal announced to make an investment in FWD, which is a Hong Kong-based insurance company, offering savings products. And, you know, the trends that we see in Asia are the trends that we saw 10, 15 years ago in the U.S. and Europe, just on steroids. So you have a bigger population. The population tends to save more of their earnings than what you see in the Western world. There's very little penetration of life insurance. There's very few savings products. There's very little guaranteed retirement income. And the pension systems over there, consumers or citizens, you know, question how long those are going to be around and whether it's going to be enough for them to live a, a good retirement. On top of that, regulators in across Asia, and this is a generalization, obviously, it's market by market, so it doesn't necessarily apply to every single country in, in the Asia Pacific region. They're just starting their process of significant regulatory change. And so you've got all of the macro factors driving, all of the macro factors that drove our growth in Athene and in Athora set up to do the exact same thing in Asia. Then you look at, okay, well, our Asian insurers focused on investments, uh, investment spread? Are they good at this? Did they get right what you know Europe and the U.S. didn't get right in the insurance model? And the answer is it's no different. Um In in Asia, by and large, again, I'm making generalizations, you're either a a long-term guaranteed block in runoff, in which case you've cut expenses and you're not optimizing your asset mix. Or you're a high-growth company and your shareholders value you based on growth in premiums, not growth in profitability, which, by the way, was the exact same mistake done by shareholders in the U.S. and Europe more than a decade ago. So shareholders value growth and premium. There's no attention really paid to what's being written on the liability side and definitely no attention being paid to how you can optimize assets. And so there is a real opportunity to offer what Apollo does in Asia in significant scale. We're just starting to scratch the surface. I arrived there January 26th for my three-week quarantine You know, and um, I already solicited several people here in the US and Europe who have helped build up our insurance businesses uh, to help uh, in Asia as well. And where will you be based in Asia? <laughs> I will be based in Hong Kong, um, at, at at least to start. Um, so.
0: And I'm sure you'll be traveling the region to, all the time. And outside of Asia, if you think about what you just said, the argument that the, in many ways, the developments that we've seen in the US and also in Europe are now beginning to, with some delay, show up in other parts of the world. Are there other regions where you see untapped potential like you're seeing at the moment in the Asian case?
1: look um the the us we have well covered i think we can be bigger in pension risk transfer and pension solutions uh, which we've been scaling in in europe i think athora's got a great model i think there's there's more stuff to do there's definitely significantly more stuff to do in europe asia pacific covers most of the rest of the world other than south america and africa at least in my career horizon (laughs) i think the opportunity of asia um, where you've got half the world's population and more than half the world's GDP. Hopefully, that'll satisfy the rest of my career. And the next generation will be, will be ready to focus on um, South America and Africa.
0: That's good. We'll keep, keep you busy for a while. Yeah. So finally here, getting to the end of our conversation, I mean, uh, as, as you and I also talk about all the time, there's a lot of other things going on from a macro perspective. Uh, that are moving markets at the moment, everything from supply chains, from wages going up to energy prices going up. And overall, that's putting upward pressure on inflation, which, of course, is the main reason why there's so much discussion about rates potentially moving higher. Uh, when you think about uh, the broader macro picture, in particular, also given you spent um, a good deal of your career earlier in the macro group, what other factors are important uh, from your current chair when you think about? the insurance business, and what's keeping you up at night in terms of things that could potentially have an impact on your work when you think about uh, the business model that uh, Athene and Apollo has in the insurance business?
1: Look, my, my, um, my biggest bugaboo that keeps me up at night, uh, and it's, it's both a fear as a human, and a, um, but a, potentially an opportunity as an investor, is just the significant misallocation of capital that you're seeing. And that's at all levels. I mean, you start with fiscal policy. It dovetails into monetary policy. It's, you know, some of the great ESG policies, some of the bad ESG policy. It's when you look at, you know, capital formation with banks and insurance companies, what they can invest in is very often a political process, not an economic process. So you just see the world on, you see some undercurrents of barriers to efficient capital allocation. And it's going to ultimately impact how we live how we do business in major ways notwithstanding the fact that there's a little bit more of a regionalization trend going on capital is relatively free-flowing and so you know it's going to impact some of these policies are going to really impact the globe as opposed to isolated sectors of uh, of the globe and isolated sectors of industry i mean you've seen it most recently with oil prices uh, uh going up so that's probably what keeps me up at night as a human but also keeps me up at night thinking about
0: opportunities well that sounds of course uh, like a lot of the things again that you and i talk about and that uh, that that people in markets are, are focusing so much on at the moment uh well with that matt thanks so much uh, that was truly fascinating and we've touched on a number of great points uh, why don't we close it out here thank you so much for joining me today and thank you as always uh, to our listeners for tuning in and remember to subscribe to the view from apollo so thank you man thanks torsen
2: apollo global management incorporated together with its subsidiaries apollo makes no representation or warranty expressed or implied with respect to the accuracy reasonableness, or completeness of any of the statements made during this podcast, including, but not limited to, statements obtained from third parties. Opinions, estimates, and projections constitute the current judgment of the speaker as of the date indicated. They do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Apollo and are subject to change at any time without notice. Apollo does not have any responsibility to update this podcast to account for such changes. There can be no assurance that any trends discussed during this podcast will continue. Statements made throughout this podcast are not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for accounting, legal, or tax advice and do not constitute an investment recommendation or investment advice. Investors should make an independent investigation of the information discussed during this podcast, including consulting their tax, legal, accounting, or other advisors about such information. Apollo does not act for you and is not responsible for providing you with the protections afforded to its clients. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security, product, or service, including interest in any investment product or fund or account managed or advised by Apollo. Certain statements made throughout this podcast may be forward-looking in nature. Due to various risks and uncertainties, actual events or results may differ materially from those reflected or contemplated in such forward-looking information. As such, undue reliance should not be placed on such statements. Forward-looking statements may be identified by the use of terminology including, but not limited to, may, will, should, expect, anticipate, target, project, estimate, Intend, continue, or believe, or the negatives thereof, or other variations thereon, or comparable terminology.